Three weeks ago at six o'clock, I was in the kitchen cooking dinner. It was February, which meant it was already dark. The doorbell rang and sent me running down the stairs, two at a time, to answer. I thought it was the UPS guy at the door, trying to get me to take some electronic gadget that my neighbors, lawyers who were never home, had ordered as a treat for themselves in compensation for their busy lives. But it was the neighbor. When I opened the door, she grabbed my arm above the elbow, like we were about to have an argument and she was afraid I might punch her in the face. There's been an accident, Emma, she said. I saw your car in the intersection just now on my way home. I talked to the police. My car, I realized, our Subaru wagon, had my husband in it. Our daughter, eight, was in it too, on her way home from her violin lesson. My neighbor shook my arm. My husband and daughter had been in the car. Now my neighbor, holding my arm tight, told me they were dead. My daughter, who had played the violin. Her dad. Just like that, I had a life, and then it was gone. I think of this part as a violent cartoon. The neighbor's words hit me like a two-by-four across my stomach, then smack on my head. Or maybe something less Warner Brothers, more bloody, more Japanese. A sword in the gut, then swish, a long flying blow to the neck, and my head tumbles through the air and lands in the snowbank just beyond our front steps. Except that would have been a blessing to be dead, to be dead like everyone else I loved in this world. In one minute, I went from the 42-year-old mom of a happy, I swear to God we were happy, family, to a woman who wanted nothing in this life except to be done with it. Some time goes by here. I don't want to remember anything about what happened next, or next after next. It was like this blankness, but with no light like the white of this page. Also, no air. That night, no, it was after the hospital, in the morning. I took my pillow off my side of the bed where I'd slept with my husband for ten years and got a sleeping bag out of the closet. Then, trailing them behind me, I moved downstairs to the basement apartment in our old Victorian house. We'd rented it to a long string of students, but in the months before my husband died, he'd been working on the bathroom and kitchen, trying to make them less damply peeling linoleum, trying to install tile and charm so we could move up to a better class of tenants. In the meantime, the apartment was empty. No tenant, barely any furniture. I took the pillow and sleeping bag to the dark back bedroom, and laid down on the shag-carpeted floor. Except for the funeral, I stayed there. I couldn't make myself sleep in a bed that would be so cold, so empty, all night, every night. I couldn't make myself go into my daughter's room to see if she had left her beloved computer on when she'd left in a tumble for school that last morning, any more than I could look at her body when the nurse at the emergency room offered me that grace. I should have. How could I not have looked at her one more time?